one of the issues that we're facing today is that we don't know who we are. It's because we don't know who we are, we don't act as if we ought. And then we get upset with ourselves because we're not achieving the things that we think we should be achieving. We're not as good as we want to be. We're not as, uh, as, as loving as we know we should be. And we seem to fall short and we keep going back to God going, oh. And the problem is our identity. I just want to start with three scriptures. Whoever's got the Bibles, the first one to find me, Psalm 139, verse 13. I can pretty, pretty well guarantee that Clive will have it first. But I could be wrong. If somebody else would look up Ephesians 2.10. 13. Possess my reins. Possess my reins means he knew you before you were born. He knew you before you were born. Let's have a look at Ephesians 2.10. Who's got Ephesians 2.10? Simon's thinking, she could have given me these before. And if somebody else would look at 1 Peter 4 verse 11, that would be good. Okay. Okay, we are his workmanship. We were created to do good works. We were created to do the good works that God gave us to do. So he knew you before you were born and he already created the works that you were about to do. Okay, he knew where you were going to live. He knew which church you were going to go to. He knew who you're going to marry. He knew everything about you and he created some works for you to do. He's actually set them already there. What does 1 Peter 4 verse, 1, verse 11 say? He's got 1 Peter 4 verse 11. What wages war against you? What is waging war against you, according to that? What is waging war against you? our natural desires. But it says here, if anyone speaks, they should do so as those who are speaking the words of God. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You have been created to do good works and God knew you before you were born. And he knew where you are now and he knew all the trials that you've gone through and he knew everything that was going to happen to you but he still created good works for you to do. And he gave you everything you need to do them. Everything you need to do them is in Christ who is where? In you. So you have the ability to do everything that God has laid out for you to do in this life now, even today. And do you know something? Only you can do what he's prepared you to do. I can't do what he's prepared you to do. You can't do what he's prepared me to do. You have to do what he's prepared you to do. It may not be a great big thing like Moses, take all these people from out of Egypt and bring them into the promised land. You might have to just save your neighbour. That might be just your, what the good work that you have to do. But only you can do what he's caused you to be here to do. And he knew it before you were born. 
And he planned for it before you were born. And he still plans for it now. He still plans for you to do the good works that he's put before you. It's an awful stress if you're going to try and do the good works that he gave somebody else to do. If you try and be something you're not, then you get stressed. Then you get upset and it's all too much effort and you think, I've failed. I've failed, Lord. And he's going, you haven't failed, but I never asked you to do that. You're only failing because you're trying to be something that I didn't create you to be. I created you to do these good works. And when you're doing these good works, that'll be fine. You won't have any stress in doing it. He says, I came, my yoke is, what? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeah. So when he puts his yoke and his determination of what you have to do on you, it's light, it's easy. If it's not easy, you're trying to do somebody else's job. But I want to take you to the scriptures he gave me. He gave me, what's in a name? He was asking me about what's in a name. Now, you will know that there's a lot of importance on names in scripture. Names are not coincidental. They are named because God wanted you to be named that way or because your parents wanted you to be named that way. Remember that in the Old Testament, some of them were named reflecting the parents' bad experiences. You remember Jabez, he was called Pain, son of my pain. All of you who are mothers here will understand that, son of my pain. Ephraim, he was called fruitful amidst the suffering, okay? He was fruitful in the land of Egypt through the suffering, but he was fruitful. Isaac was called laughter. Jacob meant deceiver. Deceiver. Imagine, being, imagine your little three-week-old baby over there. Imagine him being called deceiver. We'll come to why he's not, because it's changed. But he's changed from deceiver, because he was hanging on to Esau's foot as he came out. He's changed to Israel. He's changed to Israel. And if you look at the line of Israel, who comes from the line of Israel? Jesus. Abraham was called Abraham when he was Abram. He was the high father. When he was named Abraham by, by God, God put an H. Aha. Which was the old name for for God, and he called him father of many nations. Simon ended up Peter. Simon was one who hears, Peter ends up being the rock. Because God changed their names, okay? Now guess what, your name's been changed. Your name has been changed. Whatever you were called before, you might have been called anything before, but your name was changed by God when you became a follower of Christ. You became Christ's follower, a Christian. You are now renamed by God. You have a new identity in him. A new identity in him. And I want to, us to look at those people in Scripture who understood the name that they were given. Now let's start with Daniel. Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah. The four of them had been captured along with lots of others and they'd been captured by Nebuchadnezzar and they'd been taken to Babylon. 
Okay? So they've gone from being um, Israel people, free, able to do whatever, and they were probably quite well uh, high up. They were people in authority. And they've now taken to Babylon. Now, all the conquering nations seem to understand that you can put people in prisons and you can set them to work and you can make them do all the menial tasks and things. But in actual fact, the only way to assimilate another nation into your nation is to lift the leaders of that nation and make them one of your own. Yeah? Make them one of your own. If you can take leaders of another nation and make them into leaders of your nation, then you can get the others to follow. If you try putting everybody in prison, guess what? Their identity gets stronger. It gets stronger. If you take people and you, you, you persecute a certain group like Christians, we all know that if you persecute, people get stronger because they identify with each other. Now, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't stupid. He understood that the way to get people to work and feel like Babylonians is to integrate them into Babylon. So the first thing he does is he decides to change their name. And this is why. Because Daniel's name in Hebrew means the Lord is my banner. The Lord, I am walking under the banner of my Lord. In other words, I belong to the Lord, okay? That's what Daniel means. Nebuchadnezzar changes his name to Belteshazzar, a prince of, or treasure of the god Bel, which was the main god of the Babylonians. So he changes his name to be under the Lord's banner, under Jehovah's banner. He changes his name to be a prince of the god of Babylon. Okay? Meshael, his name means who comes from God. Okay? He comes from God. They changed his name to Mesach. He who belongs to the goddess, goddess Shishak. She was the second, a secondary god in Babylon. So they changed the name. Azariah, the Lord is my helper, he becomes Abednego, which means the slave of Nego, another Babylonian god. Hananiah, the Lord is gracious to me, or has favoured me, and Shadrach, which is what he's turned into, means inspiration of the sun god. Okay, so we've got the hang of the fact that these names meant something, as your name will in a minute. We'll talk about your name. But those names meant something. And because those names meant something, Nebuchadnezzar changed them so that they were no longer relating to Jehovah as their identity. They were relating to gods that were false, in Babylon. Just a little aside for any of you who work with children. Try not to teach them Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego without teaching them Mishael, Azariah and Hananiah. That was their names, as we'll see. They knew their identity. Let's look at the first thing that happens to Daniel and these three lads. Now, Nebuchadnezzar knew that if he had to assimilate them, you change the name, and then you give them all good things, all lots of good things, and fatten them up, and give them places, uh, positions of authority, so that they were integrated into this new life, into this new identity of followers of the gods of Babylon. And so he wants to change their food. He wants to give them royal court food to fatten them up. Now, it's 
very possible, although the scriptures don't say so, but it's very possible that that food would have been offered to the gods of Babylon before it was prepared, because that's the way they did in, in, at that time. It could have been that that food was prepared in a way that uh, was contrary to the dietary laws of the Hebrews. Because in those days, they, they were not allowed to eat blood in the meat. They, there were certain things that they couldn't eat. So it could have been against the dietary laws. But either way, Daniel knows who he is and says to the, um, to, to the high official, um, Ashpenaz, he says, can I have permission not to eat the food and defile myself? Now he makes it very clear he doesn't want to defile himself. Not that he doesn't want the nice food, but he's not going to do it because his God doesn't want to be, um, uh, dis- uh, to be ignored and it would be defiling of him to eat it. And Ashpenaz actually agrees that him and the, and the other four can actually eat this, their own food, what they would normally have eaten, but only for ten days, in case they turn out to be a lot weaker than everybody who's fed on the good stuff. And Daniel doesn't um, eat the king's food, he eats his own, own food, and his reward is that at the end of it, It says in Scripture that they were better nourished than the others. They looked healthier and better nourished because they had eaten what God had told them to eat and not eaten what God had told them not to eat. And they were allowed to continue eating what God was pleasing. So these are the things I want you to... Because this is what you've all been talking about today. They stood up. They spoke up. You all talked about... You said... They spoke up for what was right and God fulfilled his word to them that he would be their God and he would rescue them. But they stood up and they spoke up. They were really important things to see. The next story comes about the golden image. Most of you will remember this one, but for some of you new Christians, um, at some time or other, dictators tend to get very full of themselves and they decide that actually I'm better than all you mere mortals. I'm not just a king. Um, I am actually better than all you lot. And he decided to make a big statue of himself. Now, most of you watch the television with Saddam Hussein's statue in the middle of Iraq, so we know about that. Well, this time he, he had this whacking great statue made. Now, I want you to think about this. 90 foot high. I'll have to ask the men. How far is 90 feet? Is that the ceiling? Bigger. 90 foot. A lot higher than the ceiling. Okay. Thank you. I knew the men would know. Three times the height of the ceiling. Okay. So you can imagine this big thing. And nine feet wide. Nine feet wide. And it's a statue of him. And the courtiers probably thought, this is a great idea. We're going to put this whacking great statue. And then he decides that when they blow the trumpets and they make the noise, everybody uh, would, uh, should throw themselves down and worship this image. Now, you can imagine that Daniel and his four friends are very unhappy about this. You can imagine that they're not happy about... Well, actually, it might not have been Daniel there because it only mentions the three of them. Um, but the three of them were not happy about this. They're not going to worship and prostrate themselves before another god. They remembered who they were... And they said this, O king, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, which is where Nebuchadnezzar said anybody who doesn't bow down is going to be chucked into this furnace, 
If we are thrown into this blazing service, the God we furnish, the God we serve, is able to save us from it. And if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we want you to know, O King, very polite, but we want you to know, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of the gold you have set up, the golden image that you've set up. So in other words, even if our God doesn't save us, I'm still not going to get down and worship you. They stood up. They spoke up. And what does God do? They go into the fire. Even as they're being thrown into the fire, the soldiers that throw them in, it's so hot, they're burned to death. Just getting them in it. These, these four walk around. These three, rather, walk around. And there's actually four in the flames. There's another person with them in the flames. And it says, when they come out, not even their clothes were charred. Not even, not even a smell of smoke on them. Here they were delivered. They were delivered because they stood up, they spoke up, and God rescued them through their faithfulness. He rescued them because his word says, I will rescue my people. But note something else happens. If you ever read that story, note something else is happening. The king calls to these three walking around in the fire. He calls this, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. Now, what's happened in Nebuchadnezzar? He started to realize that, my goodness, if these people can walk around in a flame like that, then they are servants of the most high God. He has started to become a believer in Jehovah. Our standing up and being true to our identity in the same way that they stood up to be true to their identity, their name, and God delivered them. The last story is the one of the lion's den. All of you know this story. Daniel is one of the top three administrators in the kingdom at that time. Not bad for a captured slave, is it? Not bad for a captured slave, and now he's one of the top three people in Babylon. Very influential. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Please take those words into your heart. When we talk about being a Christian, they were neither corrupt nor negligent. This is the sin of omission as opposed to the sin of commission. The sin of omission. He didn't neglect the things he was supposed to do. He completed what he said he was going to do and kept his promises when he made them. But it gave rise to enemies and the enemies got together like enemies do and had a little, oh, we're not happy about this person, he's a right, and he's, he's in charge of us and he's a foreigner and he shouldn't really be in charge of us. So they had a plan to trap him. They knew that Daniel was faithful to his God and three times a day he got down on his knees and he faced Jerusalem and prayed to God as he always had done. They knew that. So these wicked men got the king to sign a decree that for 30 days no one could pray to any other God but the king. Otherwise they'd be thrown to the lions. So you've all remember this story, don't you? Be thrown to the lions if you don't uh, just pray only to the king. But Daniel, being Daniel, goes straight out, doesn't wait, doesn't hang about. It's time to pray. 
opens his windows, decides he's going to pray, gets down on his knees, faces Jerusalem, and prays to the Most High God, as he always had done. He knew his name was attached, linked irrevocably to his God. He knew he belonged to God. He was a child of God. And if he's a child of the Almighty God, then it doesn't matter what any God, what any king of this world would do, no king in this world could harm him. Because he was a he was a servant of the Most High God. He was the servant of the Most High God. And he knew that his God would either protect him and bring him through, but even if he didn't, he was still God. He was still God. The king was upset. Apparently all night he he was a bit unhappy at night. He was worried that poor old Daniel would have been eaten by these lions. They they were left hungry so that they would eat whoever they threw in there. And in the morning it says the king called to him. He calls him Daniel, by the way. He doesn't call him Belshazzar. He calls him Daniel. Already the king has known that Daniel's identity is as a servant of the Most High God and he went back to calling him Daniel. He calls out Daniel. Has your God been continually able to rescue you? Sorry, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And of course, Daniel walks out untouched. The lions' mouths shut. Daniel is free. But notice Nebuchadnezzar says, Has the God whom you serve continually? Not, Has the God who you served when you were 16, when you gave your life. Because remember, we're talking about, I'm trying to link it to who you are in Christ now, who you are in Christ now. It's not who you served, past tense. It's who you serve continually now, okay? When you serve the God continually, you are under his protection as a child of God. Daniel stood up, he spoke up, And God did what God said he would do. He delivered him. Daniel believed that his God could deliver him. And Darius, Darius was the king at that time, by the way, because Nebuchadnezzar had moved on, and I just think that was amazing. Darius comes in, you'd have thought he'd have got rid of all the last lot that looked after Nebuchadnezzar, wouldn't you? But no, Daniel rises to the top again. Daniel rises to the top. Why does Daniel rise to the top with Nebuchadnezzar? Why does he rise to the top with Darius? Because he is serving the Most High God. He will always rise to where God has called him to be. He called Daniel so that he could be a testimony for us when it was written in Scripture. The testimony is there so that we understand that when you stand up and you speak up, God will be everything you believe him to be as a servant of the Most High God. They knew who they were. Now today you've got trials and temptations and all sorts of things coming against us. How many people here are struggling with some sort of sickness or some sort of problem that they're struggling with today? Okay. When you stand up and speak up, 
in faith in the God who is your God and in Jesus and what he has done for you, God will deliver. God will deliver. But who am I to stand? What can I do? I'm sick. And I feel this very much myself at the moment, because many of you know I'm going through a whole load of things with my heart. And I just tell, you know, I say to God, he's got it in hand. Whatever it is that's causing these ectopic things, he's got it in hand. In fact, while I've been sick, on holiday, but sick, I've had a wonderful time with the Lord, so maybe out of all things meant for evil, God will turn them to something good. Yeah? He'll turn them to something good. But you might be saying, but I'm sick, I'm very busy, I've got a job, I've got kids, I haven't got time for this, it's all too much for me. I'm not very well educated, I don't really understand what she's talking about half of the time. Um, But God has created a good work for you to do, and he has empowered you to do it, whatever it is. And you don't need to worry about whether you have the abilities, the skills, the gifts. That doesn't matter. Because if you have your faith in the Most High God, he will give you whatever you need to do, whatever it is he's told you to do. Do you remember Rosa Parks? Some of you will have heard the name. Okay? On the 1st of December, 1955, she was 42-year-old. She was a black lady. There's a picture, you can see pictures of her. There were photographs taken of her at the time. Big lady. And she was coming home from work. She'd had a heavy day. And she was waiting for a bus. The first bus arrives and it's full, so she waits. And another bus comes along. And there was one seat halfway down. And she was absolutely tired out, so she sat on it. Now, a few stops down, a white man boards the bus and angrily demands that she gives up a seat. Because in those days, there was segregation. The blacks had to sit at the back of the bus and the whites could sit pretty well anywhere they wanted and the black people would have to give up their seat. So she was told to move and she refused and she was arrested. She refused. She refused. But do you know when she was arrested and fined $14, which was a lot of money in those days, but $14, there was a massive protest for 381 days across America, not just there, across America, people boycotted the bus company that had taken her to court and the bus company went bust because people stood up for what they knew was right. She was a Christian. She'd probably sat in the pews and she'd heard people talk about God loves you all, you're all his children, Jesus died for all of you. She'd heard that and it had gone in here and and she thought, why should I, at my age, have to give up my seat because I'm a different colour? So she stood up and she spoke up And God changed it. And guess what? After the bus company went bust, it went to the high court, to the Supreme Court, and it became illegal to segregate on buses. Just because one woman took the scripture as truth, the word as truth, she stood up, 
she spoke up and God delivered all people from segregation on the buses. Brilliant. Brilliant. Today, he will deliver you from whatever you're going through when you're ready to stand up, speak up, and declare the truth that God is an almighty God and through Jesus living in you, all things are possible. Amen. 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 Let's um, sing our, first, uh, our songs to, to complete the uh, service. And our, on our first song, we will take an offering. <laughs>